morning. Please open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. If you need a Bible, Chris is uh, passing them around in English and Spanish. And if you don't own a Bible, you may keep it as our gift to you. Um, again, I want to thank you again for allowing me to be your interim pastor. I have three more Sundays, and I'm going to do a short mini-sermon series on the book of Joshua. Uh, today's uh, sermon title is Be Strong and Courageous, and actually goes very well with what Tim shared in the ministry of the Gideons, because really the Bible is foundational in everything that we believe, everything that we do, and if, we, if what we do is not biblical, we probably need to reconsider. But the power is in the Word of God. So that's why it's very important to continue uh, in that, and I'll do that for the next uh, uh, three weeks. Uh, it, uh, in a way, uh, it's a good transition because, um, again, we're going to a transition from an interim pastor to a permanent uh, pastor. And the book of Joshua is about transitions, and it is about... A, a, it's basically many, many tra transitions, but one very important one is a leadership transition from Moses to Joshua. There's a transition from the desert to dealing with wild cities like Jericho. So very important uh, transitions. We meet Joshua, by the way, for the first time in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 17, Joshua is introduced as Moses' right-hand man. In Joshua 17, starting in verse 9, we read that Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So you, you know the story, right? Joshua was fighting and Moses was, was praying. Good, good teamwork. Very good teamwork. We, we find out the ministry is down in, uh, in teams. Later in Exodus 24 and in Exodus 33, Joshua is described as Moses' assistant. But probably the passage that is most important for us uh, is what happens in uh, the book of Numbers. In the book of Numbers, Joshua and Caleb stand apart from the others as men of faith. You know the story, right? They're getting ready to go into the promised land, but they're sending 12 spies in. And 10 of them say, no, it cannot be done. And Joshua and Caleb stand apart as men of faith. Numbers 14, 6 says, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us to this land to give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. As the great theologians, the vegetables say, sounds pretty sticky. The land of milk and honey does not talk about literally milk and honey. It talks about the fact that it's a rich land. It's an abundant land. 
But Joshua and Caleb continue, says, Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for their, their, their bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Joshua 24, you know the, the end of the book of Joshua. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law. And he took a large stone set and set it up there under a terebinth that was the sanctuary of the Lord. Not only was Joshua a great leader, God allowed him to write a book that we still have to this day called the book of Joshua. Is this book relevant for us today? Oh, Tiberius, it's 3,000 years old. Why are we still reading this? Well, it's still relevant today. That's why we're still reading it. See, the stories of the Bible are both timeless and timely. They're timeless. They have principles that are, were true yesterday, are going to be true tomorrow, they're true today. And they were timeless, and they're timely for us today. We need to hear them today. So let's start here at the beginning of, jo uh, of Joshua chapter 1. We see two things. I know some of you were taught that we need a three-point sermon. Well, here is a two-point sermon. You ready? Basically, these first few verses in Joshua can be divided into two. God's commands and God's promises. God gives commands, but he also gives promises. The first set of commands, starting in verse 1, Arise and go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. It is very important to see when these things happen. It says, now Moses, my servant, is dead. My dear brothers and sisters, we need to learn a very important principle. That God's plan is best accomplished by the removal of men who have been useful for a time. Ooh, I thought God only accomplishes his plan by bringing people in. No. Read the Bible. There are times when God uses certain people for a certain time, and then he removes them. What? Was that the way I said it? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't mean to be funny. It just comes naturally, apparently. <laughs> Maybe I should try a stand-up comedy. I don't know. No, I said this before. I'm an interim pastor. But I want you to look at the history of this church. Weren't all your pastors interim? Yeah. God used them for a period of time, and then either they died or they moved on. Or something happened, right? But God accomplishes His purposes sometimes by using men and then removing them. Never say that that person is... God cannot use anybody else because that person was the person. There's no such thing. In God's kingdom, nobody is indispensable. In God's kingdom, nobody is indispensable. And we need to understand that, that these things happen very clearly. And uh, by the way, the, uh, Joshua repeats it a couple of times. Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. God says that. Think about 
All the pastors that you had in the past were your Moses. And now Reg is your Joshua. But you have something that all the other people didn't have. You had a Romanian redneck to serve you for a year. <laughs> they didn't have that. You have that. My dear brothers and sisters, we need to understand that God sometimes uses certain men for ministry and then removes them to make room for others. And sometimes we need to learn that because sometimes we could be standing in the place of a person who needs to come in. And rather than that, we're then doing that, we're just standing in that person's place. We got to think about that. Maybe some said, it's over. Moses is dead. The leader that brought us up from Egypt is no more. We can pack our bags and return to Egypt. By the way, some of them have said that. Some of them said that. But God hand chose Joshua as the leader. Someone wise once wrote this. Leadership is one, great, one of the great indicators that God is moving Leadership is one of the greatest measures of a spiritually healthy church. Leadership happens when God speaks. That's good. That's good. I pray that God will continue to bring up leaders from this church. Joshua 1, 10 and 11 tells us that Joshua obeyed. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan and go and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Arise and go. What does Joshua do? He arises and he goes. Remember, the main characteristic of a man of God is obedience. It's obedience. The second set of commands, not just arise and go, but be strong and courageous. Verses 6 and 7, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not mourn from it to the right or to the, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Courageous. Why does God say that to him? Because remember, the other people were afraid. The other people were afraid, and there were, there were many reasons why Joshua should have been afraid. So God is commanding him, be strong and courageous. Remember, Moses, Moses was good, by the way. Moses was great leading people through the desert. Why? Because he spent 40 years in the desert before he led God's people through the desert for another 40. Remember, God taught Moses for 40 years to be prepared at Pharaoh's court, right? And then for 40 years, he was in the wilderness of Midian tending sheep. And then for 40 years, he led God's people through the wilderness. So for 40 years, he learned something. For 40, for 40 years, he learned what God can do with nothing. And then he put into practice what he has learned for the next for the next 40. God is not making any mistakes here. Be strong and courageous. God gives Joshua the right word that he needs to hear. Notice what it says. God tells Joshua, this land is the same land I swore to their fathers. 
My dear brothers and sisters, we need to be strong and courageous. The third century Egyptian Christian, Pacomius, who was credited with building the first monastery, said this, and I quote, If you are faint-hearted, you become a stranger to the law of God. Faint-heartedness fills you with pretexts for laziness, mistrust, and negligence until you are destroyed. Be strong and courageous. God tells Joshua that if you are to be a leader, you need to be strong and courageous. As someone said, divine sovereignty is not a substitute for human responsibility. As Charles Spurgeon put it, Joshua was not to use the promise as a couch upon which his indolence might luxuriate, but as a girdle wherewith to gird up his loins for future activity. God's promises are prods, not pillows. Oh, that's good. Charles Spurgeon said it. God's promises are prods, not pillows. Arise and go. Be strong and courageous. And then we have God's commands, and then we have God's promises. But the third command is this. Rely on my word. Joshua 1, wait. The book of the law, this book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall listen to what we should do with the word of God. Meditate on it day and night. Can you meditate on something you have not read? No. So first you need to read it, and then we need to meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do what? To do it. it the, the, reading the Bible is not about knowledge and information. You can have all the information in, the, in your head and not put it in practice. And that's equal to zero. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Do you know that there are people who say that this book, that the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, were written later than the book of Joshua. <laughs> so so uh, when Joshua says this book of the law, what's he talking about? Exactly, he's talking about the book of the law. Moses wrote the first five books, and then Joshua comes along and writes the book of Joshua. By the time Joshua comes along, there is a book of the law. In writing... It's in written form. But we, we don't just, we can't just read it. The Bible says we have to meditate on it. Think about it. And that's what it says here, shall not depart from your mouth. Because in Hebrew, the word to meditate literally means to mutter. It would be like reading it out loud and saying it to yourself. Let's say you read Psalm 23. It would be like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's something that happens when you read the word out loud. Read it out loud. Try it. You might like it. But th that's why it says, shall not depart from your mouth, because that's what meditation was for the Hebrews. It was kind of like a muttering. You speak it to yourself. Remember what I told you last week. Don't listen to yourself. Speak truth to yourself. And that's what this is about. When you speak the word of God out loud... That's what it is. God says basically, rely on my 
word. There's something very important about reading the word for yourself. Here, uh, here's some studies. Uh, some, um, uh, I, I know some of you don't like uh, statistics. Like 80% of you like statistics, 40 of you don't like statistics. Yeah. <laughs> studies show that we forget, listen, listen to this. This is very encouraging for pastors, read you like this one. Uh, 95% of what we hear, we forget within 72 hours. <laughs> So if I ask you, like, next Sunday what the pastor preached about, you're like, uh, it was from the Bible. <laughs> now, that statistic is pretty depressing for, for preachers. But the idea is for you not just to hear the Word of God on Sunday. You need to be in the Word every day. Some people say, oh, yeah, I go to church on Sunday to recharge my batteries. That's not how it works. You are not an iPhone. You are not a phone, period. You are created in the image of God, and you cannot live your life apart from being in the Word of God every day. Meditating, reading it out loud, to your, out loud to yourself, and then doing what it says. It is not enough to know what it says if you don't put it in practice. That's why James writes in the first century, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away at, at once and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, hearer forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. My dear brothers and sisters, we need to arise and go. We need to be strong and courageous, but most importantly, we need to rely on God's Word, which I can tell you is 100% accurate. It was true yesterday, it's true today, it's going to be true tomorrow. The only foundation you need for your life, everything else will change the Word of God will not change. And He has not changed. But along with His, prom uh, with his commands, God gives us His promises. Two, two, two promises. One, He promises His power. Verse, uh, verse, verses, uh, verses 3 to 5. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to, Mo to, to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward, the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Isn't that good news? I don't know about you, but that's the greatest, one of the greatest promises I can rely on that no matter what happens, God is with us. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I don't know about you, but I need the power of God every single minute of my life. And God promises that, not just here. Jesus will promise it in Matthew 28. It's something that happens all the time. God promises His power, and then God promises His presence. Verse 9, 
Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do be not frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you, wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Um, Tim already uh, quoted from Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you for how long? Always. 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 Until the end of the age. God's commands arise and go. Be strong and courageous. Rely on my word. Are accompanied by God's promises of power and presence. I wish you not just in 2020 but for the rest of the for the rest of your life that you will rely on the promises of God. Men will promise things and they will they will disappoint you. But God never disappoints. And I'm here to tell you that if you have the power and the presence of God, there's nothing that you cannot do. I'm reminded of a, a man who bragged to his friends that he cut the tail of a man-eating lion. Said, yeah, I ran into a lion. I cut, his, I cut his tail. And his friends asked him, why didn't you cut his head? He said, well, because the head was already cut off. We are dealing with an enemy that's been defeated. We have God's promises and promise and presence. And we go in the power of Jesus Christ who's already defeated the enemy. And that's very important. God is not asking you to cut the lion's head. He's already did it. He's already done it. What is expected of us, not even to cut the lion's tail. What's expected of us is to rely on his promises. To arise and to go. To um, rely on his word. And remember that we need to stand on his promises. Someone said, don't just sit on the premises. Stand on the promises. Let's stand and sing about standing on the promises of God.